started. We started it's at an 11. anniversary celebration. We started at 11. Anniversary celebration. Man. It takes you, Jarrett. Man. I don't know what that says about them, or I don't know no, what it says about us. I love it. Uh, it but right. it is needed well, to. I don't here. know what it says that we're so out of breath after dancing for 30 <laughs> seconds, but... It says we are a lot older <laughs> yeah, a lot than, older than, we than the church, what we were right. when we first started that's this right. church. Uh, but we are so glad that you're here today. So glad that you came to celebrate God's faithfulness. And that is what we are here to do today. To celebrate the goodness and the faithfulness of God over the last eight years in the life of this church. It is remarkable to think about all that has happened. Because I can remember back to a handful of people in our living room just a little over eight years ago. Uh, I can remember to the very first service that we had here at Soul City Church, I remember standing in the back with Amy Lawler, praying to God that people would come and hoping they'd come back the next week. Yeah, that's right. And, and it's, it's remarkable to see what God has done. I was walking in here this morning and I was overcome with tears of gratitude and joy thinking, we've only been in this space for a year. Yeah. It feels like much longer, uh, but we've only been in this space for one year. And to think about what God has done in just a year. This last year at our Easter celebrations, we had over 3,100 people come to Soul City wow. Church That's to hear awesome. about the transforming love and resurrection of Jesus. We have over 1,300 people gathering in circles, experiencing community in small groups every single week. Just this year, just this year so far in 2018, 178 people have been baptized. That's awesome. Just this year. We still got one more to go. And we have another one to go yeah, in a couple right. of weeks. And it is amazing to see people step into new life. Last weekend, there were 256 children here at Soul City Church. That's a lot there of kids. were a lot of diapers changed last weekend here at Soul City. Yeah. And to think that just this last week, over 25 people came home from, from two different trips that we did in El Salvador, where we served with our partners in Enlace. This last year, we, we put 800 uniforms on the backs of kids in CPS schools so that they could go back to school and they could experience dignity as they learn and as they grow. We have volunteers serving every single week at Breakthrough Urban Ministries, people mentoring students through Mercy Home and I Mentor. It is remarkable mm -hmm. to see what God has done in and through this church. It, it is an only God story. We've mm. said it for eight years, but it is still true. God is on the move in and through this church. And while we're here, I, yeah, amen. While we're here, you're going to be doing a lot of clapping. So get your hands ready, a lot of clapping. Uh, while we're here to celebrate God's faithfulness, we also want to honor and acknowledge uh, folks who really are a part of what God's doing here in this church. And so I wonder if we can just applaud and cheer and celebrate for every person who serves and every person who faithfully gives to this church because they are kind of saying, I'm all in, heart and soul, so we bless them. And for our elders who shepherd this church and care for Jeannie and I, can we bless our elders of this church that faithfully serve us? And then last but certainly not, le not least, we want to celebrate the most amazing staff team in That's the right. world. These folks are heroes, they sacrifice, they serve, and they make it fun. Can we bless our staff team for all that they do? There is... Uh, 
there's so much to celebrate. As Jeannie said, we just opened doors to this transformation center uh, last year, and so much has happened in that year. But uh, because we don't have time to get through it all in this one talk, we've actually created a resource for you called uh, the Only God Report. Maybe at your work you have an annual report. Well, here at Soul City, we have the Only God Report. <laughs> and you can actually get your phone out right now if you would. You can actually get your phone out and text in uh, the word Only God, just one word, no space, Only God. Don't let autocorrect you lead you astray. You, you, you denounce the devil in the form of autocorrect, and you just put only God as one word, and you can text into the number on the screen, and we'll send you uh, your copy of our only God report so that you can actually look back and see the, the numbers, the statistics, but the stories of God's faithfulness just over this last year. We have so much to celebrate. And I know in moments like this, it's easy to celebrate, you know, an anniversary. I, this is amazing for us. It's been amazing all month, all week as we've been preparing for this. But it's also important to just pause and reflect when we get to moments like this, when you get to a, a birthday or an anniversary, if you've celebrated one of those recently, you know, you kind of look back on this last year. But then you also kind of look ahead, right? You look ahead and go, okay, what's next? And it's important to, to think about as we're here in this moment right now as a church, regardless of when you joined up with us, but to just pause in this moment as a church and ask ourselves the honest question that did God bring us this far as a church? to only bring us this far as a church. Mm. Like, does, did he bring us this far, all that God's done, all his faithfulness, to only bring us this far, to say like, well, you know, that's, that's about it. It's all I got for you guys. Oh, really, that's it. And even to ask yourself that honest question. Did God bring you? However God brought you here, whatever God, I don't know everyone's story here, but I know that God's been at work in your life. Do you think mm. God brought you to this moment in your life, right now, today? Do you think he brought you here to only just bring mm. you this far? Do you think that God maybe just might have more in store for you than you yeah. could even possibly imagine? That as we celebrate this last year of God's faithfulness, you have no idea that you're on the starting line of a new mm. adventure of faith? And could it be that you being here this weekend has something to do with what God wants to do in and through you this next year? There is uh, stories throughout the Bible that appear of folks who come to that kind of moment and wonder, is this all? Is this it? Is this all that God's got for me? Or could there be more? There's stories that you may be familiar with, people stepping out in faith because of God's faithfulness, stories of uh, Abraham, uh, Joshua, David, Esther, people that we know kind of their stories of them saying, okay, I believe that God has more and kind of pushing in. Uh, but then there's less known but no less uh, important stories throughout the Bible. And I want to just briefly share one of those with you today, a story of some some folks who had to just say, God, because of your faithfulness, we're going to move forward in faith, even though it doesn't make sense. The story is actually found in Mark chapter 2. Uh, you might be familiar with it. If you uh, have a Bible with you, I want you to open to Mark chapter 2. If you brought your own Bible, we'll make sure to mark you down for extra credit. But if not, there should be a Soul City Bible right under your seat. You can grab a Soul City Bible. It looks just like this right under your seat. Go ahead and grab it. Joey, make sure you grab one there. I'm seeing you. Uh, go ahead and grab that and, uh, and open to actually page 813. In the Soul City Bible, page 813, we'll get you to Mark chapter 2. Let me give you some quick context in this story as we consider our own stories as a church and as individuals. Uh, Jesus had begun his public ministry. He had performed uh, miracles, had called most of his disciples to him at this point, had been teaching, and because of all that Jesus had been saying about the kingdom of God and all that he had been doing to heal people, he just cast out some demons, that's going to draw a crowd. And so people showed up everywhere Jesus went. And in fact, there was such a crowd, like almost a mob-like crowd where Jesus was at, that it became hard to get close to him or near him because so many people were trying to do the same. 
And that's exactly where we come at in the story in Mark chapter 2. Jesus is teaching in someone's home. It's not his home, someone else's home. And it was so, so packed, as we're about to see here in a second, that people couldn't even get near the door to get in the door to get to where Jesus is at. Mark chapter 2, verse 1 says this. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, uh, the people heard he had come home. It's kind of a hometown visit, a homecoming visit for Jesus. So extra crowds came out to see what he was all about. Verse 2, they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. So there's, you have to imagine, it's so crammed in, it's so packed in that you can't even get to the door to get inside. If you've ever been to our 10 a.m. gathering, it's like that, but they had better parking back then because um, of the no cars. Uh, anyway, they're so packed in, no one can even get in. Verse three, though, it says this. Some men came, we don't even know their names, Some men came, bringing to him a paralyzed man, carried by the four of them. And verse 4 says, since they could not get him to Jesus, they couldn't even get to the door to get inside to get to Jesus, because of the crowd, look at what it says they do. Maybe you know the story. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it and then lowered the mat the man was lying on down onto the floor. Now, just pause for a second. Maybe you've heard this story before. You're like, oh yeah, that's the story. This is bizarre. This is some next level courage and audacity, right? Because first of all, you have to understand something. The man that was paralyzed, it was his friends who brought him to Jesus. There was something that they believed Jesus had that their friend needed. Hmm. And so they figured out how to get him from where he was to where Jesus is at. But now imagine this. They get to where Jesus is at and they can't get to Jesus. They had no plan B. Can you imagine having to say to their friend that they'd promised, I think this one has the power to heal you. I think he has the words of life. And then you get there and you can't even get inside to see Jesus. Having to explain to him, I don't know if it's going to happen today. But these friends had another idea. They kind of scrambled on their feet. and They said, all right, all right, all right, okay, let's figure this out. And so they went and grabbed a ladder, presumably, to get up on the roof. Now, my hunch is they didn't travel with a ladder, so we're going to do some creative interpretation. They stole someone's ladder from their side yard. <laughs> And they put it up on the house and they got up onto the roof where they could get. And you have to imagine, again, no plan B. They got the ladder. They figured out how to carry their friend up onto the roof. Think about logistically how they would have to figure out how to do that. Then they get up on the roof and they're standing up there. And one of them goes, what do we do now? Again, they hadn't thought this far through this whole thing. Well, we got him all the way here. And then we got him up onto the roof. And one of them's like, well, do you have a shovel? No, I don't. Do I travel with a shovel? Who travels with a shovel? And so they begin to just start scraping and pounding on the roof. They, they do whatever they have to do to get as close to Jesus as possible. And you have to imagine what that must have been like in the room. You're so, you are the, one of the lucky ones that got inside. Maybe you knew someone, you had a VIP pass. I don't exactly know how you got inside, but you're with Jesus. And all of a sudden, as Jesus is teaching, like you notice like some dust on your forehead. <laughs> All of a sudden, there's like light breaking through, and now there's just pieces of ceiling falling on you while Jesus is teaching. They were causing a scene. They were doing whatever they had to do, what no one else had thought to do to get their friend as close to Jesus as possible. And look what happens. I love Jesus' response. Verse 5, it says this, that when Jesus saw whose faith? When Jesus saw Their their faith. Say it again. When Jesus saw... Their faith. their faith. When he saw their faith and what the, they had done to get their friend down into this room, he was so moved in that moment by their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, son, hmm. your sins are forgiven. 
And that's enough right there. Powerful, powerful, powerful moment. But you've got to pause and go back to the beginning of the story. Is that why they came here? Did they come so that their friend could get his sins forgiven? No, they came because they thought Jesus could heal him. So you have to imagine, they're up on the roof, kind of peeking in, you know, here and in. What did he say? I think he said his sins are forgiven. Wait, what? He said, what? Did he know about the mat and the whole thing? No, he said his sins are forgiven. They had brought their friend there to be physically healed, but Jesus said, no, I'm going to heal you spiritually. I'm going to heal you, transform you from the inside out. They didn't get, he didn't get in that moment what he wanted, but he got what he needed. Yeah, that's right. And maybe you know a little bit about that. Maybe you've asked God or begged God or pleaded with God before to give you something that you want, a, a genuine desire that you have. Maybe it's, God, I need a new start. God, I need a new start. God, I need a, a new purpose for my life. Maybe you even came here today because you feel so lonely. God, I just need some friends. I just need some people that can know me. This is what I want. And maybe, maybe you, like me, have asked God for something you wanted and you don't get what you want, or at least the way you want it, when you want it. But if you were to look back on your life, you'd realize that while you didn't get what you wanted the way you wanted, God gave you exactly what you needed what you couldn't even see in that moment mm. that you needed, what you didn't even know that you needed. That's mm. what Jesus gave him in this moment. Mm. And a big kind of argument broke out with some religious leaders who somehow had gotten into the room, and they were all upset because Jesus had forgiven his sins, and only God can forgive sins, and they're freaking out over all of this. And so Jesus just has this awesome moment where he moves from healing this person spiritually then to healing him physically. Verse 11, jump down to verse 11. Jesus just looks at the man, and I have to imagine, he's looking down at the man with such delight, like, Jesus is like, I love this. They're going to tell this story for 2,000 years. Like, this is so awesome. He's looking down at the man on the mat who's just forgiven his sins. And I have to imagine, a little creative interpretation, he looked up with a big mm. smile on his face at the friends who were peeking in through the emergency skylight that they had just created. <laughs> <laughs> you know, non-union renovation that they had just done. And he looks at them with a smile. And he looks back down on the man on the mat. Mm. And he says, I tell you what. Get up, take your mat, mm. and go home. And boom, just like that. No deliberation, no are you sure, Jesus, no how long till this takes effect. Boom, verse 12. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. Pause real quick. Remember the door that they couldn't even get to to get into Jesus? Somehow the whole crowd had just backed up and went, what just happened? And he yes. walked out the door he couldn't even get in. Mm. This is a powerful moment. In fact, it led this whole crowd to say they were so amazed that they praised God saying, we've never seen anything like this before. We've never seen anything like this before. What a powerful thing to be able to say. When's the last time you said that? I've, mm. I've never seen anything like this before. I've never been a part of anything like this before. In our repost, retweet, refresh, repeat mm. world that we've got, where we've seen it all before, we're so cynical and so jaded to be completely blown away in that moment mm. and say, I've never seen anything like this before. This has never happened before in my lifetime. And wh while I believe that they genuinely were amazed at the miracle that Jesus had just performed. The guy who came in on a mat walked out the door right in front of them. I think that absolutely blew them away. I would also like to think that part of what amazed them was not just the authority of Jesus to heal and forgive his sins, but the audacity of those friends up on yes. the roof to say, we'll do whatever we got to do to get our friend as close to Jesus as possible. And I absolutely love this story 
Because to me, it's, it's a story of faith. It, it is a story of, of ordinary people, just like you and me, a handful of guys that just loved their friend. And they wanted their friend to be in the presence of Jesus. It's just a group of guys that were, were like, listen, if we can get him to Jesus, maybe something can change in his life. Maybe Jesus can heal him. And I don't know if you know this, but nothing changes if nothing changes. Hmm. Nothing changes if nothing changes. Anybody ever do a diet? No, sir. <laughs> sure. Amen. Amen. Nothing changes in our lives if nothing changes. Mm. And I think these guys, they knew that. If we don't do something, mm. if we don't change this moment, if we don't get this guy into the presence of Jesus, nothing is gonna change in his life. You see, to see what others don't, you have to do what others won't. Mm. To, to see what others don't see, you have to be willing to do what others won't do. And friends, that's the essence of faith. Yeah, that's right. That's what this church has been built on. Yeah. That's the story of Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for. It is the assurance of what we cannot see. I want to ask you today, do you expect God to move in your life? Mm. Like, do you believe he's going to do the unexpected? Because that's what these guys did. They, they put it all in for Jesus. They said, I don't think we should stay at the bottom of the ladder. I don't think because there isn't a door in that we should just go home. Mm. They said, no, we're going to have the kind of faith that says, let's go up. Let's go up. If we can't get in through the door that everybody else got in through the door, then let's go up. And I want to say to you, Soul City, this is who God has always called us to be. From the very beginning, he called us to be a people that said, I'm willing to go up. It doesn't matter if you have cute leopard print shoes on. Yeah. <laughs> they are cute. You they still climb the ladder. They're cute. I think Thank they're you. awesome. Thank you. They great. Leopard's babe. the new neutral, they say. Mm -hmm. God never called us to be a people that when the door was closed, when it was locked, when we couldn't get in, that we would just say, well, I guess, I guess we just go home. I guess God's not going to move. I, I, I guess we shouldn't keep praying. I guess we shouldn't keep expecting. I guess we shouldn't keep expanding. We have always been called to be a people that said, if we can't get in, then we go up. Amen. If we can't get in, then we go up because we are called to do whatever it takes so that people experience the transforming love of Jesus. And this is who he has called us to be, Soul City. Mm. He has called us to be a people that expect him to move. And when we expect him to move, then we better be ready to expand ourselves for that kind of change. Mm -hmm. You know, when you think about it, we're celebrating our eighth anniversary today, which is amazing. But in two years, the year 2020, Soul City's gonna turn 10 years old. It's hard to believe. And over the last few months, we've been praying and we've been planning 
and we've been dreaming and we've been asking God, God, what is it that you want to do in and through this church so we can be just like those people in that room that said, we have never seen anything like this before. You see, that's the dream. That's, that's the vision for us as a church. And so as we have been praying and planning and dreaming, uh, God has given us a 2020 vision. A 2020 vision for who Soul City is going to be at our 10th anniversary. And I want to ask you, you ready to hear it? Yes. You ready to hear where God is taking us? Ready to hear what he is calling us to be? You don't sound convinced. No, I don't. <laughs> 10 o'clock was excited. 10 o'clock was excited. Well, our 2020 vision is simply called, we have never seen anything like this before. <laughs> Come on. We got it straight from the Bible. Yeah, we think it's pretty good. We think it's pretty good. We crowd tested it. It works. But God has given us six audacious, big, risky, turn my stomach a little inside out kind of dreams that I believe is going to cause every single one of us to stand back and say, we have never seen anything like this before. The first eight years, that was, that was something. But we have never seen anything like this before. And where we want to begin is we want to be a church that expects God to move in the lives of kids and students. So we want to expand all that we are doing in those ministries. And we want to boldly declare as a church, this is the first of six, we want to boldly declare as a church that we want to partner with families to raise a generation of Jesus followers. That's right. No small thing, just raise a generation. Just raise a generation of Jesus followers. You see, we want to be the place in Chicago that partners with parents to raise a generation of Jesus followers. My life was changed in middle school. A church got a hold of me. I was not on the trajectory of walking and following Jesus. And I walked myself into this little youth group called The Cause. And there was a group of people in that room that loved me and cared for me. They taught me about God's word. They walked me through hard seasons in adolescence and my entire trajectory was changed. We want to be the kind of church where kids pull their parents out of bed on Sunday morning and say, we got to get to church. We want to be the kind of generation that raises up kids and students so that they're not just standing around waiting for us as the adults to one day pass them the baton, that we see them as some kind of next generation. We want to see them as the now generation. We want to pour into them, develop them, lift them up so that they can have a lifelong, vibrant, growing relationship with Jesus. So no big deal. We just want to raise a generation of Jesus followers. That's number one. That's where we're starting. That's where we're starting. Awesome. Well, the next big dream that God has given us for our 2020 vision, and if you've been around Soul City Church for a little while, you know that we long to be a church that's spiritually practical. We want to help people grow uh, in the things of God, the way of God, a relationship with God. We want to equip and empower you with uh, intentional transformational track that can help you actually know and take your next step with God. 
I think that this has been one of the dreams that we prayed about in Atlanta, Amy, right? We would dream about, God, if we could just help people know where they're at and take their next step. I think so often when I've gotten stuck in my life with God, where I've hit a wall with God, it's because of one of two reasons. One, I don't know what my next step is. Or two, I don't know where I'm at. I don't even know where I'm at. I don't know my own story. I don't know what God has been up to. We want to help people know and take their next step through an intentional, transformational track. And we've already begun to roll this out with lots of different things as we're bringing all the pieces together. Things like Alpha, which is becoming a heartbeat of our church. Uh, We want to help deepen uh, people's engagement with the Bible as we grow to be a church that's both deep and wide. To courses on discovering your and using your spiritual gifts, to integrating the Enneagram in your everyday life, and our conscious Christian curriculum where we're rolling out how to be a follower of Jesus in a thoughtful, meaningful, and ultimately transformational way in your everyday life. Listen, if you want to grow, we want you to know how, mm. and we want to do whatever we can to equip you with the tools to do so. So that's exciting. We're very excited about that. The next thing that we sense that God is inviting us into as we expect God to move is we sense that he is calling us to expand all that is happening through LoveWorks, to serve our city and care for our world, to be selfless in our service, to be committed with our compassion, and to have our hearts break open for the same things that break the heart of God open. To to understand why it is that we as a people ache when we turn on the news and we see what happened in California this last week Mm. and what's happening right now with the fires. We don't want to be the kinds of people that just watch and say, oh gosh, I hope, I hope somebody helps them. We want to be the kinds of people that say, no, we're going to put our love to work always, Mm. always. We're we're going to to occupy the same space that God invites us to occupy as we care for our city and this country and this world. And over the next two years, one of the primary efforts of this church is to see everyone, and I do repeat, everyone that walks through the doors of Soul City Church to serve outside of the doors of Soul City Church. That every single person, if you walk within these walls, you're going to serve outside of these walls. That's right. You see, we, we don't want to just keep making more and more auditoriums so people can come and actually attend the church. We were never called to just come and attend church. We were called to be the church. Right. And so we're not interested in you just coming here. We're interested in you becoming all of who God created you to be. And so every single person that ever walks through these doors, we're going to just turn them right to the <laughs> left and then right to the left and walk them right outside of these walls because we want every single person, young and old, to serve outside of these walls so you can taste, so that you can see, so that you can experience what the kingdom of God in this world is really like. Mm. Do you want to mention even what we're doing in the middle of right now? Yeah, I think I forgot to mention Yeah, it's that. okay. I just subtly trying to let you know that. That, that was subtle. Yeah. <laughs> it's I don't, why, think, they, I don't it's, think they know. I don't think it's they know. why we do things like Gratitude Weekend. Um, met, thank you. One person is really excited about Gratitude Weekend. It's going to be an amazing weekend. It's why we are committed to serving 500 families on the West Side Thanksgiving. It's why we do that. It's why we're going to pack baskets. And as 
a little reminder, I think we've had 80 baskets purchased and so 420 to go. So just a reminder for to all do. of you. you got a little yes. work to do. That's right. Well, and the next thing of the big six dreams, the fourth one that we have is one that we've had again for a long time, is we want to be a resourcing church. We want to create and release uh, tools for transformation. Uh, we want uh, to equip folks to be able to uh, grow in their relationship with God no matter where they're at. One of our core values is to be a church better seven days a week rather than just one. If you've been around, you've heard us say that. A lot of churches focus just on Sunday, and that's awesome. I love Sunday. Welcome to Sunday. Uh, I love Sunday. We think the church should be better the other six days of the week. And so what we are committed to doing over the next couple of years is to releasing and releasing and releasing and releasing resources that help folks grow. And in fact, we, here's what's really fun. Today, uh, we are relaunching and, and, and reopening up all of our efforts in Soul City Worship. Uh, you heard them mention earlier that Pat's new song, I'm Ready, is released today. You can stream it today or download it today. Uh, you're going to be hearing more and more songs coming out of this church. Uh, I love when I'm here on a Sunday that I can't even tell which ones are ours or which ones aren't ours because the team is writing such amazing worship songs. Our hope and dream is that you'd have headphones on throughout the week at work and you'd be able to connect to God through the music created in this, in this space, that you'd be in the car and you'd hear Soul City worship songs on the radio and you go, that's my church. I get to connect to God and we get to share that with whoever needs to hear it. Uh, we're excited to be releasing uh, kind of a, a toolbox of transformational things, a podcast that we're launching beyond our message podcast to help you integrate faith into your everyday life and to be more conscious Christian, we are excited about books and resources, study guides, things that we're going to be releasing, all of which can actually be found in our new Soul City store, uh, more than just slap bracelets and t-shirts. We actually want to have resources in there so that you can come and go, man, I'm stuck in this area. Can you help me grow? We want to be the kind of church that helps you with that and helps churches with that. So we're really excited to be kicking that off for the next two years. The next big dream that we have, uh, God has been stirring this in our hearts. And as he's been stirring it in our hearts, I'll be honest, it has been wrecking our hearts. Um, as we expect God to move, we sense that he is calling us like never before to create a safe and sacred space for people that are struggling, people that need help, that need healing, that need hope. You see, we want to be the first place that people go to when the bottom drops out in their life. And unfortunately, oftentimes the church is the last place that people think to go. When a marriage is falling apart, when depression and anxiety is swirling in a person's life, when addiction crashes up onto the shore of someone's life, when someone finds themselves walking through a divorce or an unexpected diagnosis, or when the death of a loved one leaves them so undone with grief that they need the help and the healing of their church. And we want to become a house of hope in the city of Chicago. A space and a place for real and authentic healing. We want to be a community of people that does not turn our back on the struggling, that does not turn our back on mental illness in this world, that does not say to people, you know what, you can come to our church once you've gone through a sanitation cycle. Once you've cleaned your life up just a little bit, when it doesn't look so messy, then you can get yourself into our church. We want to be the kind of church where we are a hospital.
hospital for the struggling, not a museum of saints. And we want to be a place. all throughout this city that people may never even know about what happens here on a Sunday, but they know about the House of Hope. Hmm. They know about the House of Hope. They know that they can come to this place. I don't know, it's got this weird name, Soul City, but you know what? I went there and I experienced hope. I experienced healing. I experienced help in my life. A few weeks ago, I had this prompting from God that the message that Jared asked me to give was not the message that I was supposed to give. Some of you may have been here. And I gave a message on mental illness, and I gave a message on depression and anxiety and suicide. And it was one of the hardest messages that I have ever um, researched and studied and worked through. And after I gave that message, we began to start having some more and more workshops. We had a grief workshop. We had an uh, anxiety and depression and suicide workshop. Uh, some amazing people in this church over the last few months, my dear friend Aronis, who, who's here, uh, took a dingy old alley in the back of this church and turned it into a healing garden so that when the bottom drops out in people's lives, they have a place to go in the city where they can be quiet and still and have someone pray for them. And I got a letter in the mail after I gave that message from a guy in our church. And he's been coming here for a number of years and bringing his teenage son. And he wrote me this letter and I sat in my office and read it and, and just wept as he told me about how his son has struggled with depression and anxiety. And he's been bringing him to church with him week after week after week. And he said that they walked out of church that Sunday and he looked at his dad and for the first time with tears in his eyes, he said, Dad, I think God can help me because I think God is real for the first time. Friends, we are called to be a house of hope. And I'm so excited to see what God is going to do over these next two years. And I want to say this to you, and I want to lean in, and the clock's a little bit over, so I'm going to lean in a little bit more because we don't have any more services to go today. <laughs> there are some of you here in this room, and I really, I want you to lean in right now because I might be talking to you. There are some of you here in this room, and God called you into a profession, a helping profession, you sit in a counseling office and you meet with people and God is about to wreck your life. It's going to be so good, but it's going to be so scary because he's going to call you into the ministry. And he's going to invite you to be a shepherd and a pastor and a minister. And you're going to sit with people and you are going to walk with them through the darkest valleys of their life. And you are going to remind them that Jesus always turns the lights on. Mm. And there are some of you here today, and the only reason you came here today is because God has been knocking. Mm. He has been knocking. And he's calling you. And I just want to say, listen. Mm. Listen to what God is calling you into. Because Salt City is opening a house of hope. And I certainly cannot do this alone. And 
some of you are going to be called to lead it and to care for it and to pastor it and to see people all throughout this city healed. Sorry, I went off. No, it's all good. I'm not. Yeah, I was going to stop you in the middle of that, but. Well, last one, and then we'll wrap up our time. Junie mentioned that God has given us, our team, our elders, the kind of this big six dream for 2020. And the last one is one that we've been uh, talking about and praying about from before we even started this church. I mean, I'm going back like nine years, like, like before we even opened doors. And we've been praying, God, when's the right time? This is the vision you've given us. When's the right time? Is it now, God? No, it's not now. Is it now, God? No, it's not now. All along the way, God has given us uh, a desire within us to, to make more room for more people, to hear more about the love of Jesus, to, to do whatever it takes, to get on the ladder, to change the service times. Uh, some of you are thinking that we're on our old service times, and so you just... Uh, showed up for service. We're glad you're here, uh, but <laughs> glad you made it. But uh, that's why we do all this, because we want to make more room for more people to experience more and more of the love of Jesus, whatever it, it takes. And we are so excited to uh, let you all in, talk about it publicly for the first time over the next two years. Soul City is starting another church, and we are very, very, very excited about that. And we are uh, heading west. We are going to be heading west, not um, like palm trees and uh, margaritas west. We are uh, heading west uh, to the far west side of Chicago. We love the city. We love the west side. And uh, we believe God's leading us to the far west side of the city and just beyond, uh, to the 300,000 or so folks that live on the edge of the city and just beyond, um, to all the folks who are part of this church who drive in from uh, those areas and even beyond Wheaton and Naperville people come in. God's leading us west for whatever reason. For us, we are so, so, so excited. We've been praying about it and waiting for God's timing on this to happen. A lot of details still to iron out, but one of the things that we know to be true is this, is that not all y'all got to be a part of us starting this church. Um, there are a handful of folks who are here. It's like homecoming weekend this weekend. There's folks who helped us start this church who came out this weekend to celebrate with us, but maybe you weren't here for whatever reason. But I just want you to get this point. We've talked about this before. The reason you're able to be here is because they were there then. Because of their sacrifice, because of their faith, because of their belief, they prayed and served and gave this church into existence in the hopes that you would show up one day. And you're here. And maybe you didn't get to be about a part of it then, but we want you to be a part of it now. And for some of you who were a part of it then, we get to do it again. And we get to be a part of this great faith adventure. We believe everyone deserves the right to be a part of the great faith adventure of starting a church from scratch, of putting your faith out on the line in light of God's faithfulness and doing so. Beyond all of that, we're, we're doing it because this is where God's leading us. It's not like an option or it's not like an opportunity. It's, this is obedience for us. And this is where God's leading us next. And we can't imagine actually doing this without you. So I'm really excited. I want to say it again. We're starting the church, Soul City Church. How fun is that? I'm so excited to be able to say that publicly. Oh, I, I need to be really clear. I need to be really clear. When I say we, I don't mean just me and Jean and that y'all just show up the day that we open That's doors. Right. <laughs> I don't just mean our staff. I mean we. That's you right. are a part of we. We all get to do that in one way or another. We want you to be a part of this next adventure 
as we move to 2020 together. In fact, on your seat, there's a little tile. I may, you may not have even noticed it. Right on the, the leg of your seat, a little magnetic tile. I want you to grab it. There should be one. If not, we'll have one in the lobby for you afterwards if it hasn't gotten there. And there should be a pen in your Soul City Bible. We want to just mark this moment that God is faithful, and so we're going to step out in faith. And if there's extra ones around you and someone needs them, just make sure everyone gets a tile and a little pen. Here's all we want you to do. Grab that pen in the Soul City Bible, and on this white tile, write your name. And maybe just a word or a phrase. On mine, I wrote, I am ready. I am ready. I've kept it in my pocket all day, so it's a little smeary. So I'm going to have to write it again. I am ready. That's what I wrote. And we want you to write this down. Write your name on it. Mark this. Maybe mark. Put the date on it. Because when we're done with our gathering here in a few moments, we're going to head out to the lobby, and there's an, an install that our team has created that says, we are ready. And it's this beautiful picture of what this is. We're, we're just a mosaic. We're just a, a piece, a part of what God's doing. But together, God wants to do something great in and through us. And we're going to go put our little piece of tile up on the board out in the lobby when we're done. And you get to step back and see God's faithfulness at work. So that every time you're coming here to church, maybe you're running late, you get to run by that wall and say, there's my name. I was there. I'm a part of it. Or as you head to a small group, you can be reminded of God's faithfulness. God, you've invited me here for such a time as this. I had no idea. Didn't see it coming, but I've never seen anything like it before. So you can write your name and just a little word or a phrase if you want, or just your name is fine. And at the end of the gathering, we're actually going to all head out to the lobby together and be able to place these tiles on there together. You know, this really is the whole reason we are moving forward in faith is what we've said all the way through this. It's because of God's faithfulness. Because of God's faithfulness, we move forward in faith. Listen, all of this was impossible eight years ago. Couldn't have, couldn't have even dreamed or imagined. The proof is you. You, you being here was an impossible dream for us. We couldn't have imagined that God would do what he would do. We'd see the lives changed, our lives first and foremost being changed through this church. We couldn't have imagined the number of folks we'd see come back home to Jesus or begin a relationship with Jesus. We couldn't have imagined the partnerships that we'd have in this city. We couldn't have imagined the way people would find and connect to each other in community. We have seen God literally do the impossible through this local church. And my question to you is, don't you want to see him do it again? Don't you want to be a part of it? Maybe you missed a lot of it. Maybe you're new in here. Don't you want to be a part of that so that you can step back and say, never seen anything like this before. That's what we're so excited about over these next couple of years. And so the question is this. Are you ready? It sounds like such a simple question, but that question has been stirring in my heart all week. I've felt tender. I have felt this beautiful fragility. I think part of that is because I know what comes from saying yes. I know how much this has transformed our lives. I know how much it has changed who we are. I know how holy and humbling it is to climb up onto a roof in faith, and I know how desperate and determined we were and how vulnerable it is to lean in and say, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to to be and to go wherever it is that you want to send me. This last week, I had a, a quick little trip uh, for a, a group of pastors. Uh, I went to New York for two days, and um, I was there on Thursday and Friday for a, 
uh, experience there, and it was great. Um, but on Friday afternoon, I was supposed to fly home and had a whole bunch of things still to do for this anniversary, and it was pouring rain in Manhattan. And I think the entire city was trying to get to LaGuardia. And so finally, my Uber driver pulled up, and I got into the back seat of the Uber, and it had been a long day. I was in meetings literally from the beginning of the day all the way through. And you know how sometimes when you're in the mood to really talk to your Uber driver, and, and then there's other times when you're in the mood to not? I was in that space. And I got into my Uber, the guy pulled up, and I was trying to give all of the like body language to show him like, you know, I was gonna be very productive on my ride to LaGuardia, like trying to give all the signals like, we're not gonna talk, right? And he was not picking up the signals. And I just, I just rolled right into his back seat and he's like, well, hello, how are you? So glad you're here. And I was like, we're going to connect. Yeah. All right. We're going to talk. We're, we're going to LaGuardia. And it was an over an hour uh, trip to get there. And uh, he told me the entire story uh, for about 25 minutes, the entire story of hip hop music, which was incredibly interesting. Somewhere in the universe, Jarrett was very happy that that was happening because I haven't ever listened to him tell me this story. So this guy told me the entire story of hip hop. And then, of course, uh, the conversation turned, and he said that question that I always try to avoid someone asking me. And he said, so what do you do? And I thought, oh, gosh, here we go. How do I explain to him what I do without it being weird, right? And so I explained it a few different ways, and he still wasn't getting it. And he's like, wait, I, I don't understand. What do you do? I said, well, I'm a pastor of a church in Chicago. And hands on the steering wheel, he goes, you? <laughs> I said, yeah, <laughs> me. And he said, can I just ask you one question? I said, yeah, of course. He said, why would you do that? Hmm. For the next 40 minutes, as we drove to LaGuardia Airport, I shared with him how much Jesus has transformed my life. Jesus is why. I've never been the same after meeting Jesus. Hmm. After being in a transforming relationship with Jesus, nothing has healed me, nothing has transformed me, nothing has called me into the audacity of a life like this other than Jesus. We pull up into the United Terminal at LaGuardia, and, you know, I said, thank you so much. I think I paid him, like, literally $80 to get to LaGuardia because it took so long. I get out, and he said, you know, I'm not really one of those people that likes to go to church. I think I want to come to your church. <laughs> it has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Jesus. Jesus is who transforms Jesus is who saves. Jesus is who heals. Jesus is who calls. Jesus is who invites us into a great faith adventure like the great faith adventure that we are on together, Soul City Church. And so the simple question that we have for you today is, are you ready? Are you ready to do it again? To do it again so that we can stand back and say, we have never seen anything like this before. So here's what we want you to do. We want you to stand up right now and we're going to pray and close our time out by worshiping and declaring the faithfulness of God as we move forward in faith. 
There's a posture of prayer that we take here from just about the very beginning of our church. When we pray, we pray with our hands open. It's a way of saying, I'm ready, God, for what you have and what I have to offer. And so if you would, you can just slide that tile into your pocket for now. Open up your hands to God as we pray together and declare our readiness. Will you join me in prayer? God, thank you for your unending, audacious faithfulness, God, that you would just keep on loving and keep on uh, providing and giving us exactly what we need, God. And we thank you for the greatest evidence of that, which is your son, Jesus Christ. And then after you gave us your son, you gave us your spirit to live in us. God, you are such a giving, faithful God. And so what we just want to do is posture our lives in the position of saying we're ready. Whatever it is, God, we're ready. What you might have for us, what we could have never seen coming, what we'll stand back one day and say we've never seen anything like before. We're ready, God. Help us to embrace that readiness and to discover uh, a new level of faith and knowing and following you. God, thank you for how you've blessed this church. Thank you, God, for how you love your church. And God, we ask you to do it again. God, we ask for more of you in each of our lives and in this church. And it's in your name that we pray and say, we are ready. Amen.